as a group together and uh, in, in the midst of everything that we've been through over the last uh, almost five months now, uh, it's great to see uh, God's people meeting together in some way, shape, or form, or fashion. And so uh, we're glad that you're here tonight. I hope those of you who are uh, watching online will have that opportunity to come and come soon and uh, be able to join your church family and enjoy all the blessings that, that come with uh, meeting together and being in the house of the Lord together. If you have your Bibles tonight, I just want to share uh, what I hope to be an encouraging thought. Uh, we've sung about it tonight, Christ our solid rock, uh, that we're learning to stand on the promises of God, that uh, we are uh, looking uh, to Jesus and turning our eyes toward Him. And it's really about Jesus Christ alone. And aren't you glad we don't have to walk this Christian life by ourselves? that we're not having to try to figure this out all by ourselves. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 5 tonight. And we're just going to read a, a few verses. Uh, it was C.S. Lewis who said that God uh, whispers uh, to us uh, uh, our blessings, uh, that He speaks uh, to us through our conscience, and that He shouts to us through life's difficulties. That... Life's difficulties are that megaphone that God uses to get people's attention. And uh, I personally believe the last five months is one of those megaphone type of uh, moments, if you will, for God in which he's trying to get mankind's attention. Aren't you glad the Bible reminds us that God never slumbers or sleeps? God's not on pause. God's not concerned about trying to figure out how to survive in what many would say a new normal that God is not uh, a little bit frustrated with, with how things are going as far as uh, on this planet. But I do at times uh, think that God may be a little bit frustrated with his people. And uh, I believe that these last uh, five months with pandemics and then rioting and looting and, and uh, division and, and frustration on people's parts and people, if you will, picking sides and hearing so many things and, and having so much influence all around us that I think for many uh, Christians, we've, we've really not got just lost in the midst of this, but we have kind of gotten ourselves a little bit uh, astray from the voice of God. And God wants us to understand that even in the midst of great uh, difficulty and trial and in changing times, that a couple of things are true. Number one, nothing is new for God. The Bible said there's nothing new under the sun. Now, this may all be a brand new experience for you and for me, but not God. God has seen these kind of things before. And then God wants us to understand because he is immutable, which means because he never changes, and because he's seen this all before, if we will, number three, just hold on to him and, and follow him, we will be okay. God's church will be okay. As a matter of fact, I would say that our church... Uh, many have begun to think and to wonder and even, you know, politically and from a national standpoint, you know, months ago, where is the church in this? Is the church essential? Is it not? Are we more important than we used to be? Are we less important? The reality is the church is as important as it has always been. And the, the key is that God's people remain faithful, that God's people continue to follow an unchanging God. 
And so as we read in the scriptures, and God has answers. God speaks to everything that takes place in our life. God speaks to every cause and organization, every division, every frustration, every disease. God speaks to all those things if we will search the scriptures. And in the scriptures, we find that God has a plan and a purpose for his people. God has a plan and a purpose for his church. And we find that if we'll follow his plan, that God can be lifted up. His name can be glorified, which ultimately is his desire. The question is, have we as Christians and have we as a church really in some ways failed to lift up the name of God during these unstable times. And so tonight I want to just uh, share with you a thought because as you read the Bible, you find out uh, God has a place for his people when things all around us are, are going haywire and when things are uncertain and up and down and instability. And God has instructions for us. He tells us to pray and, and, and he tells us to be unified. And, 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 and he reminds us that we have a mission and we have a purpose. Tonight, I want to just challenge you, and I know in some ways I'm, I'm really speaking to the choir, but I hope it'll be a, a word of encouragement to you tonight. Maybe those uh, who are, are here and you're debating or maybe just happen to be here tonight, but you still got some doubts about some things. Uh, hopefully tonight that the, 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 the word of God will solidify some things for you. And perhaps if you're viewing and watching online, this will be an encouragement to you to just continue to, to step out <clears throat> to follow our Lord as he has instructed us as Christians and as he has instructed us as a church. The Bible tells us that it's vitally important for us in a world that's changing and completely unstable that we remain steadfast on the truth of the word of God. That this has to be our anchor. And I want you to see here in Hebrews chapter 5, <clears throat> we're going to read beginning in verse number 8 tonight. Now, I believe the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, but here we're, we're, we're noticing that, <clears throat> excuse me, that Paul is writing and he's writing to Jewish believers and he's also writing to those Jews who, who really aren't sure about the law versus the gospel. And so he's building a case. Verse number eight, he's speaking about Jesus Christ. Though Jesus were a son, yet he learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Uh, he was called of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And we just stop there. So the, uh, the writer is saying, listen, boy, Jesus Christ, he's our example. He's the one to whom we're to turn. He's the one in whom we are to trust. It is his name that we're to lift up. And, and, and he taught us so much by the things that he did in his life. And of course, he paid the ultimate price so that we might be saved. And, and notice he, he, he's speaking about Jesus, verse 12, <clears throat> um, verse 11, but of whom we have many things to say, but hard to be uttered, seeing that you are dull of hearing. There's so much more that I want to say about Jesus but I'm going to stop myself for the time being, the writer writes, because there's a problem. And the problem is you cannot take the information in. You're not receiving the truth about Jesus Christ. Verse 12, for when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And you are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. 
For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The, the writer writes that there's so much that can be taught, so much that can be learned. There's so much truth that will help in our lives. But the reality was, as listeners, we weren't willing to receive these words. And I find that to be true many times in my life. I find that to be true as a pastor in, in, in our church, that even though we may have a, a crowd of, of people doesn't mean that everyone sitting in those pews are open to listening to the truth of the Word of God. And especially as we've been uh, traversing these very difficult and uncertain times, what I've found is there's so many voices and there's so much information, there's so many news outlets, and, and there's just so many people speaking into our life that sometimes we find that God's voice and God's words are far down on, on, on the, the list of influence in our life. And therefore, we are making decisions based upon what, what, what others may say or political uh, people may teach us or certain news channels may, may ascribe or, or even our own emotions or how we feel about something or what we think about. And God's word is secondary. God's thoughts on all the issues of life have not been uh, pursued and have often been tragically forgotten, even forgotten by God's own people. And so I would just want to challenge you tonight as much as I challenge myself to make sure to love and to value the Word of God. The Word of God is of utmost importance. I mean, we read through the Scriptures of the importance of the Word of God. Peter said, you do well to follow these Scriptures. Here, we reminded, uh, as the writer here says, that when you do not follow the scriptures, you become weak. You become, as the Bible describes, carnal. That, that means you become uh, really a, a person who, although a Christian, you, you in action and you in thought begin to act like someone who is an unbeliever. And so your measuring standard and, 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 and your goals now become uh, those of, the, uh, of those individuals who know not God. That's the result of forsaking the truth of the Word of God. Paul would write to Timothy that all Scripture would be given by God. It was from God's breath. They were His words. And all Scripture would be profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Tells us what's right and tells us what's wrong in life. Tells us how to get ourselves right. Tells us how to stay right. And he finishes with that verse 17 of chapter 3, so that the man or the woman of God can be perfect, that you, you and I can be complete in our relationships, in, 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 in uh, our actions as an employer or an employee, as a parent, uh, as an individual who's a, a single or married, old, young, it doesn't matter, that we can be that complete package, perfect and truly furnished unto all good works. It's the Word of God that enables us to go out there and to live life and to go to work and to interact with our family, people who are unsettled, people who are worried, people who are nervous, people who are afraid. It gives us that opportunity to be a bright light, to, to not live in fear, to be steadfast, to, to reveal Jesus Christ. But we don't do that if we do not value the truths of the Word of God. 
Jesus himself tells his disciples in John chapter 8, here's how people will know that you are my followers, my disciples, if you continue in my word. Not if you occasionally reference it, not if it's something good to think about a couple of times a week, but if you continue, abide and dwell. Every decision you and I make, every action that we take, it should be filtered through the truth of the word of God. And, and, and by the way, Jesus continues, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Make you free. That's exactly right. And don't people need that freedom? People are in bondage to worry. They're, they're, they're nervous they're going to get sick. Uh, they're, they're, they're nervous that, that the worst is going to happen. And, and we're not saying don't be wise and, and, and don't be safe and, and use common sense and, and have discernment and all those things. But we're also told not to live in fear, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so, God, with your help, I, I, I don't want to hide. You know, it's, it's really great that, that, that God has not said, listen, let's just church, let's just, let's just wait Let's just wait for a while until all this blows over and then we'll really come back and get serious about telling people about Jesus and we'll get on with this thing we call church. But how many of you believe if, if that was the attitude of God, how many of you believe that the devil would work overtime to make sure things never get back to normal? And when you look at the history of the church, when was there ever a period of time when everything was smooth sailing? But think about Rome and how Christians were persecuted and the trials and the testings, but they stayed resolute. They lived their life based on the truth of the Word of God. And today there is no Roman Empire, but the church remains. And you and I have been called to represent God. And, and frankly, we live in a world who needs that spiritual freedom. They need hope in Jesus Christ. They, it's not hope in a vaccine. It's not hope in, in, in that there's no more sickness. It's not hope in that, you know, all, all the jobs and, and employment go back to where they were. It, it's hope in Jesus Christ that sets a person free. And we have that. And we need to hold on to it. Remember what King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 12? Here's a guy who knew God, had a relationship with God had all the money and resources a person could have, and he thought to himself, let me just try whatever else is out there, and he did. And at the end of his life, he writes a book of regrets. He said, I tried this, I tried that, it was all empty, all vain, no happiness. And so finally he concludes in Ecclesiastes 12, 13 by saying, let's just hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The commandments, the words of God, words of life, words of truth, words of hope. They help us to navigate every experience that you and I must travel through in our life. We are all on a faith journey, every one of us, every person you meet. Some are on a journey to come to know God, and God's working to draw them. Some who are believers are struggling with sin and, and fear, and, and we all do at times. And God is working on us. And the answer, the anchor, the foundation has to be the Word of God, not my feelings, not what other people think, not popular opinion, and definitely not culture. I need to just listen to the words of God. So this book must be of great value to you and to me. And if it is... No matter what life brings, 
I'll be able to be faithful to God and I'll be a light that shines bright. This church will be a light that shines bright. And that's what God desires. Amen? Let me just share with you a couple observations here from Hebrews chapter 5. If you and I are, are, are going to value the Word of God, very simply, that means we have to receive the, the truth of the Scriptures. Now notice the writer here said, I have a problem, verse 11. I have so much I want to teach you, but I can't. And it's not because I don't have information to teach you. It's because, in verse 11, you are dull of hearing. You've put up some blocks, some obstacles. You will not listen. It's very comparable to a prophecy that God sends to Hosea in the book of Hosea and to the nation of Israel in Hosea chapter 4, where God says, listen, Israel, I have a problem with you. Uh, there, there, there's no mercy and, and, and there's no love in this nation. How's that possible? They were God's people. And he would go on to say, here's the reason why my people perish or are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, it wasn't because they didn't know God's word or his truth. It wasn't because they didn't have scriptures. They did. It's because they chose not to listen to the scriptures. We at times do not want to hear what God is trying to say to us. And it's amazing how we often justify our situation. Um, We we try to, to find excuses or ways in which we can make our desires, our wants, our comfort meld or fit in in some way with some truth of the word of God, as opposed to saying, God, I'm objective. God, what is it you are teaching me? Uh, it's, it's that old thought. Um, I think it was Robbie Zacharias who passed away recently, a great apologist. He, he always used to say, intent is prior to content. And his whole argument was, <clears throat> if someone's not objective, they don't want to hear truth. It doesn't matter how many hundreds of examples of truth that you show them, they are not going to listen. All that becomes is additional fodder for them to reject the truth that you are giving to them. And so for us, we often approach the Bible with our own filters. This is what I think. This is how I feel. This is what other people are telling me. This is what I'm comfortable doing. This is what I'm not comfortable doing. And now if I built in these filters, now I'll approach the Bible and I'll find a way to make it meld into work in my life. Is it any wonder why we're not prospering? Is it any wonder why we're not blessed? Is it any wonder why we have such angst? Is it any wonder why in many cases God's church has been very lackadaisical and very much deceived? Uh, I've, I've had many conversations with many people in this whole time. Uh, we were like you, uh, all online for about nine Sundays, and then we started reopening again. First, we had services outside, and then just in the last month have been able to move inside. We're still at only uh, allowance at 30% is all that we're allowed to have in our building. So we're having four services on a Sunday to try to just encourage people to return. And, and so for such a long time, we're online and, and we, we tried to put out a lot of online content like you did because I think it's important. Your pastor wanted you to have truth and that opportunity not only to keep connected but to hear truth. One of the, the things that's concerned me as a pastor is when I've talked with many of people and they've said, well, we really enjoyed your online 
during this time and all the services, but we've also enjoyed watching other people, which praise God, and probably many of us did that. You know, my wife jokes, we went to eight churches every Sunday for a few weeks, you know, because we would surf around. But when they would begin to tell me who they were watching, that very much concerned me. Because now all of a sudden they're hearing people, the word is not being taught. The word is actually being contradicted. And yet blindness, spiritual uh, 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 ignorance, not able to see. And, 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 and it grieved me. And I know the devil's at work. The devil is always desiring to, to have us as Christians and to hold us back and to trip us up. Remember, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It's never God that's caused division. God was unifying. The devil divides, distracts, deceives. And so if you and I aren't careful, we can miss what's really true. We can be allured, enamored, and we miss the truth of the Word of God. The truth is painful at times. But the truth is the only thing that will truly set us free or make us free in life. To be truly blessed by God. The truth is what the world needs to hear. With all the agendas and all the causes out there, Black Lives Matter and in the city, you know, we had Occupy City Hall. We had so many things going on. Uh, and, and quite frankly, as I've had conversations with people... Just so much misinformation and so many people not understanding. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter politically what I think and it doesn't matter, you know, uh, even what, 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 what everybody else may think. What matters is what does God say about these things? And that is your responsibility and mine to, to say, God, speak to me. I may think it's good. Everybody's telling me it's good. But what is it that you say? And as we study the scriptures, God speaks loudly and clearly. The question is, are we willing to receive it? Not only that, but notice here in, in chapter 5, I can't speak to you because you're dull of hearing. <clears throat> but notice it wasn't only they didn't receive it, they didn't respond to the scriptures. Uh, if you're a parent, maybe you understand this. Did you ever tell your kids, hey, I want you to clean up your room? My dad used to tell me that often. <clears throat> a couple hours later, he'd come back, and he, there I was in my room, and it was just as dirty as it had been two hours before. And so now knowing I'm in trouble, he'd say, hey, didn't I tell you to clean up your room? So my brain's working, and I would say, uh, well, yeah, but I didn't know I was actually supposed to do that, like right now. Well, how lame of an excuse is that? I was taught as a kid, obedience is doing what you're told when you're told with the right attitude. How many of you as a parent have told your kids to do something and they did it, but they weren't happy? Take out the trash and they're kicking the trash can across the yard and they're grumbling about it. That's not really obedience. So what kind of pale excuse is that one day when we see God and God says, I asked you to do this. If you loved me to keep my commandments and we say, uh, well, I know you said that, but I, I, we didn't know we were supposed to do that. That won't have any weight. And here the writer said, here's the problem. It's not that you didn't know. You've been taught these truths before. As a matter of fact, you should have already matured to a point in your life and grown to a point in your life where now you were teaching these truths to someone else. 
But you can't. You're weak. You're carnal. And, and frankly, you, you, you didn't do it. <clears throat> and you forgot some of it. And now we're having to take the time again to reteach you. Now, thanks be to God. Isn't he so merciful? Amen. And isn't God so patient with us? But, but how much more could God do in our lives? How much more does he want to do in our churches? But we just kind of sit and, okay, I hear you, but and we don't respond to his truth. Remember what James said? James said that uh, we're to be not only hearers of the word, but we're to be doers of the word. And when we don't put these things into practice, we lose it. Uh, in our church in Queens, uh, All Nations Baptist, we, re we really truly aspire to that. That really describes who we are and really our mission. We have on a given Sunday uh, over 40 nationalities that come to our church. So English is not their first language. But what is interesting is that, and maybe some of you speak a secondary language or had spoken a secondary language, and you know how that when you learn a language... If you don't use it, you tend to forget and to lose it. And so uh, if you don't practice it and, you, and you're not using it often, you, you would say to yourself, "Why well, I used to could understand that or read that, but I can't remember anymore. And for many of us, we've been presented truths, maybe even made commitments to truth, but we haven't practiced those truths. And next thing you know, we're not living them out. And it's as if we need to be retaught again. And how are we going to turn to the next generation? How are we going to teach other people what, what the Bible says if we ourselves don't know? You know, Peter said this, that we're to sanctify the Lord in our heart, 1 Peter 3.15, set him apart. And then what, be ready to give an answer to every man of the reason of the hope that is in us and to do so with meekness and fear. We are to be ready to give an answer this is a, a really a wonderful time for us as believers to be able to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. I mean, you know as well as I do, whether you like it or not, kind of sides are dividing a little bit and you kind of see a little bit more clearly maybe where people stand on certain things. And we can get all confrontational and all divisive about that. And, and, I'm, and I understand there are, there are issues where, listen, we, this is truth and we are not going to change that for sure. But it's such a great opportunity, as the Bible says, to let our light shine. Don't cover it up. This is not the time to hide. This is the time to go to work. And as people begin to ask about your faith and why do you believe this and what does the Bible say, we're to be ready to give that answer. But if we're not receiving the truth and we're not living the truth, how effective are we really going to be in sharing the truth? Uh, when I went to college, I was 18 years old, first day in college, went to my first class, 8 o'clock in the morning, and it was English 101. So I, I went into class and I sat down and two seats away from me, there was a guy and uh, uh, he was very friendly. Right away, he looked at me and he said, hey, how you doing? And he had an accent like that. And I, I saw him, nice looking guy, older than I, probably mid-20s. And I said, oh, I'm doing well. And he said, what's your name? I said, my name's Dan. And he said, well, I'm George. I said, nice to meet you, George. He said, where are you from? And I told him I was from Jacksonville, Florida. And he said, oh, he said, I'm from South Jersey. I said, oh, wow, that's great. And then he said, let me tell you something. He said, you're going to love this class. He said, I've been in this class three times, 
He said, it's amazing. The professor is awesome. And he says, I, I guarantee you're going to love it. And he says, and let me just tell you right now, if you need anything, you need help with anything, you just ask me and I will help you out. And he was so proud. He was, he was really genuine in his offer to help. But at the same time, I'm thinking, do you really understand what you're saying to me and what you're offering? You are offering something that I'm not sure you can produce because you've been in this class three times. How are you going to help me pass this class if this is time number four for you? And yet he, he didn't even realize that. He was in, in many ways just simply trying to be nice and trying to offer a helping hand, but quite frankly was probably inadequately prepared to back up that offer. You know what I fear sometimes as Christians? In our head, we know we're to, we're to help people and show people God's love and God's kindness, and, and we want to point them in the right way. And sometimes opportunities arise and, oh, oh well, well, let me tell you, and we say things, but honestly, sometimes they're not supported by Scripture. And, 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 and frankly, the information that we're dispersing and dispelling is really maybe not even in its entirety what God wanted us to communicate to them, and we miss an opportunity. And sometimes people may walk away and say, well, that's nice. And okay, I didn't really get it. And maybe it wasn't as Holy Spirit supported and as Holy Spirit led as it could have been had I known my Bible, had I been living my Bible. And so here, the writer rebukes these Christians by saying, you should be growing. You at this point should be maturing. And you're not. And then when you read the scriptures, you find out what happens when you're not growing in, in the scriptures. You become carnal, as we mentioned, divisive and strife and, and selfish, and the list goes on and on. And he said, you're full uh, of milk. You know, there's nothing cuter than a newborn baby. But when you meet a 21-year-old with the mind of a newborn baby, it's heartbreaking. Have we grown in the truth of the word of God, as God has desired of us. Notice he says, it's then, if you'll receive the scriptures and you'll respond to them and you'll put them into practice, it is then that you are able with great power and great authority and, and great conviction, you're able to reveal the truth of the scriptures. It's then that I'm able to deliver a message that can make a powerful impact. You know, we're told to be witnesses. We're not told to be attorneys or lawyers. We're not out there to, to debate and convince everyone. Uh, we're to be witnesses. We're to simply share what we have heard and seen. That Jesus Christ has changed my life. That Jesus Christ has picked me up out of a pit. That Jesus Christ has forgiven me of all my sins. Let me tell you who Jesus is. And it is amazing as we put forth truth and we put out the word that God skillfully takes his word and he begins to carve and to work in people's hearts and lives. But if I'm not taking in the scriptures, my life is not based upon this book. I'm not letting this be the loudest voice, not 
not all the news outlets, not my neighbors, not my own emotions. No, no, no. This, this is the voice I listen to. What I hear, I apply it with God's help to my life. Then I can go out and go to work and I can go back to the, my family and I can speak to my neighbors and I can with great authority and conviction speak the truth knowing that it is the truth that makes people free. That God can use His Word in a great and in a mighty way to do some, some great transformation in people's lives. And that's what our society needs today. When the world is at its worst, the church needs to be at its best. And we have the truth right here. We don't have to look for it. It's here. So may God help Harvest Baptist and All Nations Baptist to be a church that always stands upon and values and loves the Word of God. And wherever you may go or I may go in life, and if God moves us as He does at times, may this book be the filter by which we make every decision and take every step in our life. If we do that, then though the world is turned upside down, though the world may seem to be changing all around us, you and I will be stable, we'll be consistent, and we'll be beacons of hope, which is what God so much desires for His people. So in these difficult times, don't look at them as, oh, so fearful, but this is a great opportunity for Jesus to be seen in me. And that'll be possible if we'll love this book. And so I pray that you will, and I will, and our churches will. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer tonight. I'm going to ask the pastor to come here in just a moment and close us out. Lord, I pray that you would just bless your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what it means to us. Without your word, there's no salvation. Without your word, uh, we don't know which steps to take in our, our daily lives. Without your word, there's no victory over testing and temptation. But we're thankful for the power of the word of God. Forgive us where we listen to so much else and we have stopped listening to you. And Lord, help us not to be underprepared or ill-equipped, but truly, Lord, let us be men and women who are growing. Lord, not, not just babes in, in the milk of the word, but, but growing, Lord, so that we might be able to teach others also. Bless this church. Bless her pastor, Lord, her leadership. And Lord, we just pray that you'll be glorified in these difficult times, we pray. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.